podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ten randomly selected questions. One person's reputation on the line. This is... Trampled Bet Versus. The Lockdown Football Quiz with John Walker. Today's competitor is... I am Jim Salverson. I am from a variety of football podcasts. The Sports Social's Football Social Daily, which is a podcast if you like football and if you don't like football but you like knob gags and swearing, then my other podcast on the left side is probably the better option for you. And for anyone listening to Manchester, we'll also recognise your voice from Excess Manchester as well. Yeah, Excess Manchester, it's a radio station I present and I do, well I did I did do the evening show until um, last week pretty much, uh, which was kind of a new music show, but our breakfast show presenter has just left, so from for a few weeks at least I'll be doing the breakfast show on that radio station, which involves getting up at silly o'clock in the morning, so I'm kind of looking forward to it and kind of not as well, so if you're in Manchester you can listen to that, uh, 106.1. FM is the frequency. So getting up that that'll that'll really disrupt your ability to watch Pierce Morgan for three hours a morning then? Well that's pretty disrupted anyway, to be honest <laughs> with you, in fact because I don't do it and it would never go anywhere near it. But yeah, yeah. If I could disrupt at least I've got an excuse now, I suppose. If I ever needed one, <laughs> other than him being a prick. Um so do you want to just explain on the left side for people first? Because that's that's one that I love and I think it's one that I want as many people to take from these quizzes that listen that don't listen to on the left side to go enjoy well, it. Yeah, I mean, On the Left Side was an idea I came up with um, about four years ago now, which was a football podcast for people who didn't really like football. Something that talked about football, but didn't necessarily talk about what was happening on the pitch and tactics and all that kind of thing. It's just poking fun at all the funny stuff in football that happens every single week, because it's a sport that takes itself so incredibly seriously. I wanted to do something that just ripped the piss every single week. So we've kind of called it a little bit like a sporting version of um, the MASH report or a sporting version of Charlie Brooker. I mean, the standard is much, much, much lower than that. So don't expect anything that funny. But that's kind of what we were going for. So that's kind of what it is. And I work with uh, my producer, Ant McGinley, who has also done this quiz. And we'll know that embarrassed me in the football knowledge stakes. But um, he he kind of weaves it together. So as well as it being me being sarcastic and being cynical about football, it's also got this kind of beautiful production element, which kind of takes you to different places as you listen to it. So we're really proud of it. It's a, it's a nice little podcast. And I still think it's pretty unique in terms of what's out there as well. Yeah, it's very good. Did you see just on that? Did you see Charlie Brickles coming back? Is he? Awesome. He's going to do, he's going to do a, corona, a Corona wipe. I mean... He does the scroll. Used to do the screen wipes every yeah. single year, where we'd go through the things that had happened each year and kind of poke fun at it. I mean, twenty twenty has been an insane year, hasn't it? It's just <laughs> been fucking bonkers. The stuff that's happened already, and we're only in the end of April, beginning of May, and it's crazy. I mean, it's so crazy. I don't know if you spotted this last week on the news. The Pentagon in America pretty much confirmed the existence of UFOs. They kind of released some videos and went, we don't know what these are, we think they're alien ships. And no one said anything. It just completely like blew past everyone. So aliens have been confirmed they exist, <laughs> but it doesn't matter in 2020. It's like low down on the news agenda. So yeah, that'd be amazing. We, we were talking about that last night on our other po- uh, podcast, Trampled Bat, that I do think that that's partially just a distraction 
or it was a yeah. distraction <laughs> from the many, many incorrect things that Donald Trump seems to be saying. But I, I yeah. find it hilarious that it's obviously Blink One Eighty Two guitarist. These are all yeah. his, these are all his videos, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I like that idea that they've just done it to distract Donald Trump. It's kind of like, well, this guy's saying make it, this guy's making up shit, so let's make up some shit about aliens and see if it distracts people a little bit. So it's a good, yeah. I think it's a, it's a solid theory that. Um, so you are a West Ham fan? Uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know where when you get to not be a West Ham fan anymore because I, I live in Manchester. I've lived in Manchester for 15 years. I've not been to, I've, I've never been to the London Stadium. I've not been to Upton Park, obviously, because Upton Park's not there anymore. But I, I used to go reasonably regularly. I used to maybe get to kind of five, six games a season, but I've not done that for a long time. Um, and like many West Ham fans at the moment, I think I feel a little bit disenfranchised with the club. Uh, over what has happened in recent years, the promises that we've been made that haven't kind of been delivered on, uh, the performances on the pitch. And so, yeah, I, I am still a West Ham fan. I still have a West Ham shirt somewhere. But, I mean, a, a sign of my passion is probably symbolised in my six-year-old lad who is decided he wants to be a Manchester City fan and not a West Ham fan. So, I mean... I don't know what that says, but it probably says of where I am in the scale of things. But if I was going to say, yeah, I, I do, I do follow West Ham, and I still get morbidly obsessed and depressed by the results each weekend. So I suppose, yeah, I, I still, I still, I still carry a torch. Yeah, I think the, the West Ham one's interesting. So I follow Arsenal; they're my team down south, mm. and I was interested to see when Arsenal were talking about players taking a cut in their salary two weeks ago. They showed what their balance in books were. And it still had repayments of loans to the Emirates. Wow. And the biggest thing of like Wenger's tenure when it came to an end was that he had paid off the full stadium. And yeah. still like £80 million worth of loans still to be repaid. And everyone's kind of going, well, no, that's why we suffered through Juru, mm. Scalacci, Bentner, Vela, all these average players coming in in free transfers, yeah. as we were told. But West Ham have moved into a stadium that they're renting for, what, £2 million a year? Yeah, I mean, in terms of business acumen, I mean, that's a deal. That's a, that's a snitch, that is, for what they've got it for. But it does present its own problems. For example, if, I mean, look at the situation now with the football season and how that's going to continue over the next few months when it's going to restart. There's a scenario where the football, West Ham might want to play footballs in their home stadium, football in the home stadium, but can't do that because they don't own it. And the guys that do own the Olympic Stadium want to put a Justin Bieber concert on there or something which is an insane scenario so that's just one of the issues that it kind of presents but um, I think I mean it's very easy to get disenfranchised with football now isn't it when you start to look at the finances and the ownerships and all that kind of thing it's a completely different place and you have to look at something like Newcastle United now who are willing to take on a merge would rather have a murderous regime running their football club than Mike Ashley and it just kind of goes I mean how how can you feel that attached to a football club that at its very top has ethics for, for either of those people, be it the guy selling <laughs> yes. Lonsdale socks or the guy who's prosecuting the LGBT community in their own country? I mean, which do you pick? It's just not a great place to be. I mean, I think in defence of Newcastle fans have at least tried Mike Ashley, so why not try the top? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think I'd take the uh, murderous regime over the Lonsdale socks. Um, so how would you say your football knowledge is in a whole? You'd think for someone who spends his pretty much entire life talking about football, both professionally and as a hobby, it'd be pretty good, but it's not. I've, I've got one of those brains. I mean, 
I'm quite good at talking about what's happening now and in terms of the current affairs and what's happening in the news agenda. But when it t- comes to actually facts and figures and remembering stuff, I've just not got one of those brains that holds information like that. So I'd say it's probably going to be pretty poor. I mean, based on the scores so far, um, so Ant McGinley is your producer. He was on yesterday. He got five. Niall, wow, okay. got, Niall from Sports Social was on. He got six and a half. So you've, act- you've actually... Is 30? Yeah. The, uh, no, no, no. It's about 10. Okay, oh, gosh, I was going to say, yeah. it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. That, 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 based, they're pretty good then. Yeah, based on scores, they've represented very well. So it's either bragging rights or just keeping a really good high score for, for okay. you guys. Um, if but, there's questions on like kits and stuff, like what sponsor was on what kit at what time, I think I'll be all right. If it's who scored the goal in the third round of the FA Cup, then I'm I'm pretty screwed. I mean, there is stuff like that. So I, I don't know if you've seen, Niall came on and I did say, I think there was... There was one definite Portsmouth question and one definite Portsmouth-related question. And the first random number, 1 to 100, he picked was a Portsmouth question. So wow, okay. it's totally a luck. Um, John from the Anfield Rap came on. He got three Liverpool questions and one based on a Liverpool manager. So he... Okay. It, it's just your luck out of 100. I can't so what was John's score? It, John got five and a half. Okay. So what's the best score so far? So far, you're aiming for eight to level. Eight. All right, okay. It was seven do some lunges until... and some flexes, yeah. get myself warmed up. It was seven until late last night, but it is, somebody came on and got eight. And again, it was he Ooh. got eight on the very last one. Okay, all right, I'm ready. There's no time limit on the questions. We will pull it together if there's a lot of humming and hawing. I didn't want to rush people because it's really enjoyable to see people's thinking face. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, John from uh, the Blackpool Seasiders podcast yesterday was on. And he tortured himself with a question and he could see the goal. He could see a player scoring the goal. He knew what position the player played, but he could not get the name of the player. Wow, okay. So it's one to a hundred. It's four categories, right. just randomly sorted. I changed them after every quiz so the numbers would not be in the same place. But despite doing that, the same questions seem to be appearing. So okay, we'll, we'll see how we go. So if you can just give us your first number, Jim. Um, I could go for my tactic that I'd use if I was playing deal or no deal, which would just be go for one, two, three, four, five, just to annoy the producers, but I won't because it's dull. So I'm going to go for Joe Cole's original number at West Ham first, 26. Mina Savkosa is the all-time top scorer at World Cups with how many goals? Is it A, 14, B, 15, C, 16, or D, 17? Ooh, I reckon it's over... At least three World Cups. So what, what are the options? 14, 15, 16, 17? Yeah, that's correct. So how many has he ended up with? Not how many was it to break the record? It's, 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 never, it's never quite that as many as you think it's going to be because you don't need a massive amount of goals in a World Cup to get the golden boot even. It's kind of usually around the six, seven, eight mark. So I'm going to go... I'm tempted to say 14, but I'm going to go 15. I'm going to lowball it. It's actually 16... Ah, it's 16 so 14's get Miller so 15 he broke the record which I think Ronaldo had previously levelled at 2006 but close has actually played at 02 06 10 14 so he played over 4 as well and and this is the funny part Jim I need to watch what I say because there are other questions of goal scorers at World Cup so I can't even give too much chat into what the other players are in case that question happens to come up so give us your second number <laughs> number 2 Number oh, number two for number two. Right, let's go. <laughs> this, this is unfortunately a very similar question to trick you. How many consecutive games did Jamie Vardy score in in the 2015-16 season? Was it A, 10, B, 11, C, 12, or D, 13? Do you know what? Instantly in my head, 
I 11 was the number in my head. When you asked the question, before you gave me the options, I, it was 11. So I'm going to go 11. It is 11. Yes. Yeah, well done. So it was Not a complete it was, embarrassment. Yeah, someday, the, the way, obviously, the way it was done before was he broke the record against Manchester United and Van Nistelrooy's was nine. So everyone knew it was at least 10. But people yeah. were like, no, he scored. He scored in a fair few after that. But he just he did just enough, just enough. Which is kind of my motto in life, to be honest with you. You just, just, just do, don't go above and beyond. Don't do too much. Just do enough. Hey, well, you're off the mark. That's that's good. You're oh, still on course good. to win as well, but you do now need to go on a hot streak here. Okay. Well, let's go number seventy-five next. Let's go to the other end. Seventy-five. This question has appeared three times, and I don't think anyone's got it wrong yet, Jim. So okay. no, no pressure. <laughs> At Euro 96, who scored the golden goal winner for Germany to lift their first trophy as a reunified country? Who scored the golden goal winner for Germany at Euro 96? Oh, you put pressure on by saying that no one's got it wrong. And now my mind's gone blank and I can't think, think of anybody who played football for Germany <laughs> in Euro 96, despite the fact that they knocked us out. Um, uh, as we've had a bit of a previous question, I'll go closer. It was Oliver Bierhoff. Oh, I, I wouldn't have got that in a million years. I'm amazed that everyone's got that right so far. Can you not see the goal? He hits a no, shot not at all. Hits a shot from outside the box and it's straight at their goalkeeper. Do you know what? In my defence, in Euro 96 was kind of the year I started drinking, pretty much. Because I was kind of <laughs> I think I was 16 or 17. And the whole of that summer is just a haze of... Do you remember Carling Premier? Which they don't make anymore. So Carling Premier was the drink down down south in the uh, in, in '96. It was kind of like a creamy version of Carling, and I just drank so much of that over the summer. I remember very little about that tournament. I remember the gay England England versus the uh, Holland game, the four one, which is one of the greatest games of football I've ever seen. And I remember it being really sunny. That's kind of it from Euro '96 for me. <laughs> well, well, I'll be careful what I say because there's definitely some other Euro '96 questions, but. Okay. We remember it for Gaza's goal, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. What a goal. And Yuri Geller. Oh, yeah. Moving the ball just before the penalty was taken. I mean, who, who knew? Who knew? So what's your fourth number? Uh, fourth number, let's go number 50, middle for diddle. Number 50. We're going back one. At USA 94, Argentina beat Greece 4-0. Who scored a hat-trick in that game? I paid no attention to USA 94. I think I was a little bit young. I didn't really get into football till quite late in terms of, I, I kind of adopted it when I was getting towards 15, 16. I was always rugby before that. Um, so I couldn't even, again, I couldn't even tell you who was in the Argentina team in 94. Um, it would have been, I don't know. I think, I think he's too, I think he's too young for the, this squad, but Batistuta? It was Batistuta. Was it? <laughs> what, yeah. a, what a grab. What a grab out of nowhere. This, this, this is a fun... That was, that's a question that sometimes gets people mixed up because I got it wrong on oh, wow. the, the quiz that I had done because that's the, the game that got Maradona banned from world football. Oh, was it? That's the celebration when he runs at the camera. And yeah. obviously all the people from USADA and all the drug testing agents <laughs> we should probably get his urine after the game. <laughs> Yeah, he might as well have had needles hanging out of his arm. <laughs> it wouldn't have been any more obvious. So you're two out of four, so that's that's you're still on course to be the best from okay, Sports cool. Social. So what's number five? Uh, number five, let's go one away. Let's go 49. 49. In 2010, Atletico Madrid beat which English side in the Europa League final? 2010. 
2010, the Europa League final. Yep, they won 2-1. Goals from Diego Forlan. Was, I want to say, I want to say your lot. I, th- I want to say Arsenal for that one. But I'm not entirely, I'm going to go Arsenal. I'm going to go Arsenal. It was Fulham. Fulham, again, I wouldn't have gone that. I was between Arsenal and Chelsea. So I had the right city. So half a point, obviously, for that. I mean, just as like a moment of pride, like Arsene Wenger only played in the Champions League, outside the Champions League one year at Arsenal, and that was the these last year, I believe, 2016-17. Well, he always it. said the Champions League place was as good as a trophy, didn't he? Yeah, so he picked up a lot of trophies in his last few years at Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that very special fourth-place trophy. I can't believe you took Arsenal as an answer when you've done number 49. It feels like you're kind of taking a, a dig at our amazing once unbeaten run. <laughs> Um, right, next number. Let's go seventy. Oh, we're going. We're going back. South Korea, Japan, two thousand two. Which German midfielder missed the final due to disp- suspension after scoring important winning goals in one 0 wins against USA in the quarterfinals and one 0 win over South Korea in the semi-finals? Which German midfielder missed the final due to suspension? Two thousand and two. Pressure's on. Um, I'm going to go. Because uh, I'm struggling to think of any German midfielders, and if I maybe I'll pull a Batistuta out of the bag and go, uh, did he man? It was Michael Balak. Oh, of course it bloody was. <laughs> I was saying to, I said to someone yesterday. I've not fact checked this, but I'm pretty sure it's correct. Um, Michael Balak had the, the most, the, the the hardest and most ridiculous four months in 2002 with club and country. So he. He played in the German Cup final in March, which Leverkusen lost. Leverkusen let slip a five-point lead in the Bundesliga to lose the league to Bayern Munich late on. They then lost the Champions League final at Hamden to Real Madrid. And yeah. then he got a runners-up medal in a game that he missed due to suspension. Uh, I mean, but you know what? I mean, he got to play in a Champions League final and he got to play, well, not play in a World Cup, but play in a World Cup. So, I mean... You say it's a tough few months, but I reckon that was probably better than the few months I had. I've no idea what I was doing during <laughs> over that period in 2002, but I don't think it would have been as good as playing in a World Cup. I, mean, so I, I think was, he's done all right. Yeah, I was watching Michael Barak in all those games probably. So Yeah, he's done all right for himself. Um, so two out of six, what's number seven? Um, number seven, let's go number seven. Oh, two out of six, that's terrible. At which World Cup did Diego Maradona manage Argentina? Did he manage Argentina at which World Cup? Well, it was, it must have been. See, this is the problem. As you get older, kind of time telescopes, doesn't it? And yeah, I would have said, yeah, I would have said it was in the recent past. But when I say that, we're probably going back a decade or something along those lines. So what we now, we're 2000, 2000 and, and um, when, was the, when was it? 2002 was a World Cup year, wasn't it? So I reckon it was the one before that. No, because that would have been nine. I'm going to go 2002. I'm going to go 2002. It was 2010. Oh, really? I, I just said a gonna... decade. I, I just I, said I, a decade. I, I was you know free... what? It, that's just my shitty maths of going of not realising it's 2020 and not taking off 10. Oh, <laughs> that, that, I, I, I failed that on maths rather than on football knowledge. <laughs> I, Gutted. I was laughing because I was remembering... Some, somebody got it wrong because he went 06, but it was. It, it seemed to me when, when I get this question, it was quite easy because 2018 in Russia was when he was definitely partying in the hospitality. Yeah. 
all the time. Oh yeah, there was that bit of him standing on the balcony, yeah. wasn't it? Which and he was just I mean, he was three Diego Maradonas wide and about four <laughs> Diego Maradonas deep into a bag of Coke. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, 20... so he definitely wasn't managing then. Yeah, and twenty fourteen was in Brazil, so you knew he definitely wasn't managing Brazil because that would have been a much bigger story. Yeah. It's bonkers that he's still I think he's still managing, isn't he? He's got a job recently in Argentina. I can't remember which club he got a job with, uh, but it's like an Argentinian second division team or something and they literally wheel him out when he gets appointed and he's in the middle of the pitch and I think he might have been even unveiled on a golf cart because he couldn't get out to the middle of the pitch I think they brought him out on a golf cart he kind of waved to the crowd they go crazy and then he gets wheeled back again and that that's kind of his job as a manager it's, it's mental I think he can just turn up though like in yeah. any team in Argentina just go I, I'm, I'm now in charge I think that's. I think that's it. It's kind of and, it's, and it and it works as far as the fans just go. Brilliant! This guy has is, is, is Diego Maradona. He can do what he likes. I wonder if we'd have the same thing. I I kind of think if we still had like a a Bobby Moore, for example, knocking around in in England, he wouldn't get that kind of treatment in any way because the press would just hammer him constantly, and he wouldn't be held in the same regard as he is because we'd just be on him. We, we don't kind of. <laughs> We don't worship heroes like that in, in, in this country. We kind of like to, we'd like to knock them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely good. And that's a British thing though as well. It's bad up here as well. Yeah, yeah, um, completely. So you're on two, two out of seven. You've got three to go. Who's the, what's the worst score so far? Worst score is two. Okay, cool. Okay, good. Is that mine <laughs> or is that someone else? No, no, no. My co-host has got two. Okay, cool. All right. I'm not, I'm not on my own then. Good. And I've still got three left. Um, right, yeah. number 68. So this is a European Cup question. Who scored the opening goal in the 1999 Champions League final for Bayern Munich against Manchester United? Oh, this is a game I remember really well because I watched it. I was at uh, Leicester University at the time and I watched it wearing an AC Milan shirt who happened to be sponsored by Opel at the time who were Bayern Munich's sponsor at the time as well. And for about an hour after the game, I had people, drunk Manchester United fans, coming up to me going, oh, unlucky, mate. Unlucky, mate, because they thought I was a Bayern Munich fan. And I was like, this isn't even a Bayern Munich shirt. I mean, I am quite upset that Manchester United have won the Champions League, but for completely <laughs> different reasons to the one you imagine. Um, I can't even think who was playing for that Bayern Munich time. I can name you the Manchester United goal scorers, but I'm pretty sure every single person in the who's ever watched a football game could name me the <laughs> yeah. Manchester United scorers. Uh, so I'm just going to say I don't know. It was Mario Basler with a, an eighth-minute free kick. Uh, so I wouldn't have got that either. Because that was a game that I remember... I, I've never watched the full game back, but I remember mm. thinking for 60 minutes, I fairly remember Bayern Munich absolutely destroying Manchester yeah. United. I remember Yanka I, I hitting think, the post. I think they did for pretty much the entire game. I think it was pretty much 90 minutes. I don't remember Manchester United really getting much of a look at all until those... And even when they scored, it wasn't like they were they were due a goal. They just kind of grabbed it at the end. But I mean, European football, I'm a West Ham fan. Why would I ever have any interest in European football? <laughs> so it's an alien thing. You might as well ask me about the, the Mars World Cup or something. But you get two to go. You need you need to get a half point and a point from somewhere. All right. Okay. Come on. Uh, let's go number eighteen. Eighteen. Who scored the winning goal for Greece at Euro two thousand and four? If I if I say this really fast and we pretend the microphone's breaking up and I just go 
Ocos at the end, <laughs> then I'm, I'm probably going to be all right. Um, I'll, I'll accept the surname if you even know the surname. Didn't he play for Bolton at the time? I think not at the time, but I think he might. I think he played for an English team at some point. I think he was at Schalke maybe at the time. Okay, um, I, I I don't know. I know it ends in Ocos or something along those lines, and it's quite long. But I couldn't can't remember what his actual name is. It was Angelos Karastias. Karastios. So you're on two out of nine. One oh, definitely, he definitely played for a team in the northwest at some point, I'm sure. It might be Bolton. Or was yeah. that maybe, are we maybe thinking of Stelios Yanakopoulos? Is that who we're thinking of? Uh, maybe. He was part of that team. Yeah, that might be who we're... I mean, we're just, we're just now profiling any Greek player that we can name. Yeah, I mean, it was that was that was the beginning of anti football, wasn't it? The whole kind of or in the middle of anti football was when Mourinho, when it was in his pomp, just kind of defending the crap out of anything that came near him. And it was when the, the Greeks kind of tried that at the Euros, and it it was just the start of a real turgid period of football where it was just defence and counter attack, and only a few teams could pull it off. It was incredible I, they won that tournament. Yeah, I remember. I think I remember that whole tournament really enjoying Greece's run, and now that I've watched it back. It's yeah. horrendous. Didn't they score like something like ninety percent of their goals came from headed corners? And that something was something along those lines. And that was where this goal came from. <laughs> yeah, the goalkeeper. Right. So, is this the last question now? Last question. So I need this. Yeah. Um, let's go. Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. So. Who scored the opening goal of the European Championships in France in 2016 but failed to register a goal at the World Cup in 2018? So European Championships 2016. Scored the opening goal but didn't register a goal at the World Cup in 2018. So where were European Championships in 2016 were in... France. France. I went to the European Championships in 2016. I went to... uh, so I thought you think I'd you think I'd remember some of them. Um, well, I'm going to go for a French player then because they would have played the opening game at least. Uh, I didn't pl- didn't score in 2018, so it's, I think Griezmann did really well in 2018. So it's not him. I'm going to go like a an old French warhorse. So I'm going to go for uh, Olivier Giroud. It was Olivier Giroud. Got the point I needed. Scored a header against Romania in the opening game at Euro 2016. And despite playing every single game for France at the World Cup in 2018, didn't get a single goal. That wasn't his role though, was it? I mean, he's kind of like, he was like Firmino for Liverpool now, that he plays as an anchor almost and allows the talent around him. So Griezmann and Mbappe, for example, in 2018, just to kind of spin around him and pivot around him and, and so he, I, I think he's an incredible player Giroud and I think he's, you mean you know he's you're an Arsenal fan yeah. but um, I think he's been underused by Chelsea but I think he, he offers a lot more a lot of different stuff other than goals he, I, 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 it was always a, a moment of contention with Giroud when you were at Arsenal games was I absolutely loved the guy because I was just obsessed with the fact that we had Ozil Sanchez Walcott with good fast players around him so he didn't need a strike at running behind yeah. And it was kind of a justified moment. We had sold him to Chelsea and then he goes off to a World Cup and does exactly the job that he should have been doing for Arsenal. But Arsenal fans hated him because he never scored goals. Yeah. Um, so you're on three yeah, of a ten. A beautiful man as well. I mean, I'm not a bit of a war of the wood. 
Yeah, one hundred, one hundred. Every everyone who knows me is my <laughs> obsession with Olivia Giroud. It's, it's, it's very unhealthy, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Well, three out of ten, um, Jim. Thanks very much for for doing this. I really appreciate it. The the input from everyone else has been excellent. It's filled my days, and it's been <laughs> been really enjoyable seeing people going through the same torture. I went through answering some of these questions on friends quizzes. Um, have a yeah. have a good day, Jim. Some really tough ones. The, the annoying thing about those is they're all questions you should know the answer to but then you can't quite grab the names out of the air. Well, we we done it. So I've said my co-host Gordo's came on and done it, and then we fed the questions to Andy, who's the other co-host, and Andy got a much higher score, but Andy admitted himself, if you put me on a quiz podcast, I would probably get a lot of those wrong. Yeah, if you're on the spot, it's different, isn't it? Yeah. Nice one. Right. See you later, Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. This podcast was written and produced by John Walker and Gary Black. For more of our podcast, please visit tramplebet.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.